Sup freaks, it's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I had the immense pleasure of sitting down with Randy Brito, founder, co-founder of the Locomesh Network and uh, BTC Ven down in Venezuela. Randy's been doing incredible work trying to build out uh, a mesh network that would allow individuals to send messages to each other in a peer-to-peer fashion. And this would help Bitcoin out because it would provide another transaction relay network uh, that that competes with the internet. So you don't have to depend on internet service providers, which could be a centralizing factor in Bitcoin in the future. So Randy's doing some very important work to help make Bitcoin more robust and, uh, and, and defensible in the future. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is brought to you by our good friends at the Cash App. Cash up. You freaks already know all about them. And if you don't know about them, let me tell you about them. They're helping us do many things, including stack sets, send sets, receive sets, and sell sets, if you so please. You've also made sats the standard within the app. So we're not buying fractions of Bitcoin anymore. We're buying whole sats. It's a lot cooler when you see uh, that you're buying tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of sats when you're stacking sats. They've also got an auto DCA function. You can start stacking sats automatically. You can set it and forget it. Crockpot your sat stacking. Set it and forget it. On top of this, they have Cash App Investing, which allows you to stack slivers of stonks. Listen, I know many of you don't like stacking slivers of stonks, but there's some of you out there who do. And if you want to, Cash App is letting you do that. You don't have to buy a whole stonk either. You can buy as little as $1 because all of this is connected to your bank account. You can start stacking sats and stacking slivers of stonks today. There are no four to five day waiting periods. And hey, Cash App may even be your bank account now. They have account numbers and routing numbers, so you can get your paychecks direct deposited into the app. It can, it can be blah, 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 blah. It can become your new bank. Uh, I should note that Cash App Investing is a subsidiary of Square, 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 a subsidiary of Square and member SIPC. As always, make sure you use the code Stacking Sats. That's one word: S T A C K I N G S A T S. You're gonna get ten dollars, and ten dollars gonna go to our good friends. At Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Not that dirtbag ag who just started another podcast, but Owls Lacrosse. Use the code Stacking Sats. Download the Cash app and enjoy this episode of Randy. Randy's doing very important work. Make sure uh, you throw him a follow on Twitter. I'll put that link in the show notes. Um, support BTC Ven, support Loca. Mesh, they're coming out with a with a hardware device very soon. Um, so stay on top of this project. If you're liking the podcast, make sure you smash that subscribe button. And if you have friends, family that are looking to learn about Bitcoin, point them in our direction. Have them sign up for Marty's Bent, the newsletter. Uh, trying to blow this thing up before uh, we rip into this bull market. This is not investment advice, but we could be ripping into a bull market. Who knows? Smash that subscribe button. Give us a rate. Give us a review. If you feel so compelled and enjoy this episode. Love you freaks. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, 
You probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here. Getting ready for a very exciting conversation. We're talking about exciting tech here. Uh, very pressing tech, very much needed tech, especially if we're going to make Bitcoin as robust, robust as possible. I'm sitting down with the co-founder of Lochamesh, Randy Brito. Randy, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you for having me here. No, I appreciate you taking some time to do this. Um, you got to give a shout out to, um, to, to a fellow Bitcoiner who reached out to me and recommended that I, that I get you uh, on the podcast because what you're doing on Loach is a little underscored at the moment. Uh, and again, like I, like I mentioned previously, I think uh, it's very much needed if Bitcoin's going to survive into the future, these, these mesh networks. And we've had other... Uh, people working on different mesh networks like Otena and TXTena uh, and Richard Myers. But what you guys are doing at Locha is a little different. It's a little bit more open source from what I understand. So very interested to learn about the story behind Locha, uh, why you started it and, and how it's been going. But before we get that, before uh, you started Locha, as you were saying, you, you got into Bitcoin pretty early and, and have been... Um, trying to educate uh, the people of Venezuela about Bitcoin for some time now. So what's what's the story behind that? Well, I started learning about Bitcoin around April 2011. And after reading uh, for the whole year, um, the Bitcoin talk, uh, the Reddit, and also the mailing list, I learned enough to feel that I needed to set up a website where people could learn in Spanish. And for um, in Venezuela about Bitcoin from a more trusted source and not something that they could find on the internet that could be kind of misleading. So I started a nonprofit organization which is BitcoinVenezuela.com, and we started doing educational content and we started giving talks in in Venezuela, in the universities. I have. I had some collaborators in BitcoinVenezuela.com that they started giving, uh, making meetups. They started giving away flyers about what Bitcoin is to people to get them introduced into Bitcoin and teach them about it as a way for them to circumvent the uh, capital controls and foreign exchange controls that were in place in the country since 2003. So we started teaching people about how they could use Bitcoin right away. So we were not uh, into the mining scene directly. We were not teaching people about it. But if people ask about it, we basically teach them the basics so they don't get scanned by uh, some ASIC miner uh, sellers in the country and things like that. Um, by 2014, 2015, there were huge demonstrations and uh, riots in the country, all, all, all over the country. So we started taking advantage of the people with the signs, people with um, getting, uh, making gatherings in some streets and things like that. And we started teaching them about Bitcoin. So there, there was this situation where some people basically stay up all night and like uh, taking care of a street, for example. They were, they were basically protecting a street because there were uh, government thugs around and breaking windows and and and. Try, uh, trying to, to 
to terror the people in the streets. So they were basically um, vigilant in their own streets and they were like getting together all night. And so we started, uh, our collaborators started teaching them about Bitcoin while they were all those hours awake uh, during the night. So they were started learning a lot about it. A year later, we find out that not only educational uh, content and also uh, talks in the university and things like that were currently needed in that uh, in Venezuela. So we started collecting donations also for humanitarian aid. During the protest, we basically gave them um, medicines, we gave them uh, things that we need, they needed, like water and bandage, things like that. So we find out that some people were willing to donate to Bitcoin Venezuela to continue helping the people in Venezuela. And we started doing humanitarian aid by the end of 2015 until today we continue doing that. We help feed around, um, we, we buy uh, groceries and food and, and provide um, electricity bill payments and gas uh, for some sub, sub, sub kitchens and also uh, uh, elderly, elder, elderly centers and also orphanage. So we've, we help feed around uh, 2,000 2,500 people daily currently in Venezuela with the donations that we receive in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. That's incredible. Um, what's it been like watching that develop over time and, and how, uh, how like has Bitcoin as a payment rail made it a lot easier for you to, to do what you're trying to do in this humanitarian effort? Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, Bitcoin is currently like the most liquid um, asset in the country. So if you have Bitcoin, um, we, we, for example, have, have been helping all these uh, sub kitchens and the schools and, and, and hospitals in, in, in the country. And the, the situation in Venezuela is that they don't have a medium of exchange that they can really use. They basically go for whatever they need in that moment. So if they say, I need to get uh, through surgery, I need uh, sale dollars, for example, in, in a Bank of America in the US, so they charge you in sale dollars. So you need to be able to pay in sale dollars uh, to this person if you want them, for example, to give you food uh, because they need it in that same uh, payment method. So if, as we have all our funds in Bitcoin, we can easily do that. We can easily convert Bitcoin to sale dollars by paying someone in Bitcoin, this person making the sale transaction for us. We can pay in Bolivar if it's needed because there are some companies like the Pasta Factory that we use. For example, they are uh, intervened by the government so they can only operate in Bolivar. So they need us to make them uh, Bolivar bank transfers in order for them to give us pasta. And so with using Bitcoin uh, enables us to be able to sh jump from one payment method to the other instantly. So we can get believers in a bank account like in two minutes and, and we can also get sale dollars or even US dollar cash or euros um, um, bill notes in inside in the, on the ground just because we have Bitcoin. So we, Bitcoin is the one that is enable us to do this. And we have tried uh, over the years to pay some people directly in Bitcoin and we have succeeded with some things um, one, of, one of the examples is uh, we bought a tractor for a farm that we are, uh, a school farm that we are, that we have been helping to 
reconstruct the past two years. And it was like the, the most expensive uh, one in in the, in the Craigslist of, of, of the country. You know, this is Mercado Libre. So people post there, they are selling or buying things. And it was the most expensive one. So we said, we don't want it. We started looking for the others. And the others were like hesitant to accept us dollars or, or whatever payment method. And then we, we came back to the one that was expensive and they updated and it said, we take Bitcoins. And, it, and we said, okay, this is not the most expensive one. This is the only one who is willing to give up the thing that we want. And they are even taking Bitcoin now. So this is the one we are going with. Um, we um, made the, the trade with them and we, we paid the Bitcoin to the song and the father gave us the tractor so it was the bitcoin is the only thing that enabled us to to achieve all these actions and and help that we currently do in venezuela yeah, it's fascinating to see how bitcoin's being adopted in venezuela specifically right because you have people like you and um uh, others running Bitcoin Venezuela, the humanitarian effort, and then we see reports like last week where the Maduro regime is accepting uh, Bitcoin payments for passport uh, services. So it seems like both the citizens and the government are adopting Bitcoin in Venezuela. And I'd be interested to get your thoughts on the Maduro regime's use of Bitcoin and, and how how you view that. Uh, what What is that? that say about Bitcoin as a network and um, obviously Maduro has uh, he, he's seized mining operations in the past so is there like a conflict between the citizens and, and Maduro and um, not a con I mean is it rub you guys the wrong way that he's using Bitcoin as well or is it just whatever well the thing is that the Venezuelan regime like any other regime in the world uh, it's uh, composed of people. So the, the, there are some people who believe that they basically need gold. So they go uh, to the south of the country and take all the gold, gold out and they start selling it in the black market. And they use military groups to do that. And, and there are others who prefer oil. So they go to the uh, east side of the country and they start taking uh, oil out of the ground and start selling it to uh, other countries like China or or, or Russia or, or, or other countries. But there are also people inside the government and the regime who believe that cryptocurrencies, more specifically, not only Bitcoin, because they basically like altcoins uh, at, up to the level that they made their own. Um, but the, the thing is that the uh, there are some people inside the regime who believe in cryptocurrencies as a way for them to achieve their uh, goals. And one of the things that they have just started doing is accepting Bitcoin directly for the renewal and issuing of passports. Um, well, in my opinion, that is a really bad idea because if you are getting your passport and that is attached to your name, uh, it will also like kind of be attached to it that you've paid with Bitcoin for it. So it is this is it's not a really good idea in, in a country like Venezuela and the current regime. And and, and it, for me, it's not a good idea anywhere. It's that you publicly saying and directly to the government that you are using Bitcoin um, and even sharing within the, the your past transactions and your addresses and things like that. But uh, just imagine that uh, 
you uh, you are able to renew your passport, which is something that sadly is currently needed for to be able to live anywhere, even in the country, in Venezuela or or in other countries. You you, you still need an I an ID document um, in this age. And the thing is that imagine that you not only disclose to the government directly that you are using Bitcoin to get your electronic passport, uh, but you also are linking your past transactions and your past wallet with it. And you use Bitcoin for that instead of just using other thing, I don't know, Petro, because they don't even take Bolivars anymore. Uh, but if you got a, a couple of Petros, you could pay with it if they are worth anything. Currently, it's not very worth it. Um, it is like one tenth of the government uh, set price. And the thing is that you end up using this and you disclose your past transactions to it and you end up paying with one of the hardest coins in the world, which is Bitcoin. And then it passed like one or two years and you never get your passport because that's how currently uh, the, the situation is in Venezuela with passports. That will be like the worst 10,000 Bitcoin ever. So <laughs> that, that was like, you, you will always regret about doing that. Using your Bitcoin for paying for that and then waiting and not even getting it. Yeah, that was, um, I wrote about it last week and that was one of the the main points people were making was like, hey, this is just a honeypot to identify Bitcoiners and uh, the Bitcoin that they own. And it's like, it's fascinating. They're using BTC pay server, so they're using it in a self-sovereign way um, where there's no third party involved. So somebody in the government knows how to set that up and run that and they sort of get that they need to do that. And then, yeah, like ha like handing over Satoshis for a passport service that may not come to fruition for years or ever for that matter is, is totally a bad idea. But it's because it, it could be um, a good case study on, on how governments would move to confiscate Bitcoin or identify Bitcoiners and, and then try to pressure them to, to give up their Satoshis. Well, they, they, are, they already know that you are using Bitcoin. Most people usually use Bitcoin in uh, custodial wallets and exchanges. So, uh, well, in Spain, I think around 3,000 people got a notice from the IRS in Spain, which is called Hacienda, and they got a notice that we know that you use cryptocurrency. So remember that you have to put them in the taxes. So they, this is like something you got in your, uh, in your mailbox in your house. So they do know that you are using it. They basically don't care in the early years, in the early years, because it's a very little amount. But if they see the, the dollar signs in their eyes, they obviously will go again uh, to look for it. Uh, there, there is also this uh, uh, information that someone that, that Trump sometime a few months ago said something about go after that Bitcoin. Uh, so that they, they know it exists. They are not completely ignorant. Obviously, they might not understand it and they might not see it. And some people like some, most economists also do. They basically don't understand what's the actual real reason why Bitcoin should exist, which is that it's uh, that not uh, unconfiscable money. So something that uh, most people don't understand when they see that, that why all those miners are losing money there uh, they are, might be doing it for profit, but the actual use that they are letting people, that they are enabling people to make use of is the uncensorable 
uh, have this money, which is uncensorable also, and the censorship resistance of it. So it's it's the real important on why importance of why we need bitcoins. It's being able to pay others, and, and one of the examples is that most people gel on Twitter that why will I need to mine and 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 get um. Uh, into the blockchain written for for, for uh, all the history that I've paid coffee. And I said, like, I, I, I replied to that person because in some countries, just the action of buying that coffee is illegal. So you do need to be able to do it in a censorship resistant way because you don't know when it's going to reach you or if you live in a country that where you are not allowed to do it and you your life depends on it. You should be able to do it even if no one wants you to do it. You should be able to do it in a way that no one is capable of intervening in that transaction and no one is capable of reversing that transaction and no one is capable of preventing you from doing it. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's why I think it's the perfect segue into, into Locha Mesh uh, on top of the uh, censorship resistance and hard to confiscate nature of Bitcoin. It, it is pretty well known right now that Bitcoin is, is subpar in, in the privacy uh, department. Uh, it is it is hard to attain privacy on the Bitcoin network if you don't know what you're doing. But I think what you're doing at Locha, especially at the P2P level, gets us a step further uh, into being a more private network, which is extremely important. So what drove you to start? Uh, Locha was it the need for better privacy or need for better and alternative transaction relay networks? Well, the thing is that I always uh, I've been out of Venezuela for many years, but I've always been connected to it on this uh, fight for freedom since the money uh, money exchange control, foreign exchange control, capital control were imposed. I always try to find a way to let people use their money freely as in freedom so one of the things that uh, happened in venezuela in 2000 in mid 2018 it was that uh, there was a black cow in a city for a whole week so there was no electricity for a whole week in a, in a city in, in venezuela back then and the thing is that when you have a black electricity blackout for a whole week, the thing is that everything starts collapsing. So the current situation is that you have that the entire economy working on WhatsApp in, in Venezuela. So the entire economy happens there. So trades happen there, uh, deliveries happen there. When you bring food from the coast and, with, and, and you, into the center of the country, all the communication happens on WhatsApp or, uh, these, or, or calls or things like that, right? So the thing is that after a, a week of complete electricity blackout, even the cell towers stopped working because cell towers have a power generator that if, you, if there is a, a, a electricity cut for a couple of days, it is still working. But after a week, it ran out of, of gas too. So there is no cell tower. Even if you manage to charge your phone with your car battery with a, pro, with a, a power generator or things like that, your phone won't have any signal at all because there are no cell towers working. And that's when I came up with, um, I wondered how 
how could you continue making payments and Bitcoin payments specifically? Because I wanted to increase the, the Bitcoin adoption in the country back, back then by uh, creating the Locha uh, a movement, which is was like trying to uh, translate, adopt, and, and adapt all the tools available for people to uh, be able to use Bitcoin uh, easier and in a more easy way. Um, and I, I, I realized that it won't help much if I translate Electrum into Spanish completely and I start making it uh, and make, a sure, make sure that it works on all versions of Android uh, OS and things like that. It won't make any difference if people won't be able to use it when there is no electricity. And, and it was right because a, a couple months later, it, uh, the, the electricity blackout happened in the whole country, in all the states for more than a week. So that you had the entire country disconnected completely, and the uh, internet stopped working completely. Um, and I, I, I realized that we needed to focus on that, to focus on, on, on the how can you use Bitcoin without electricity or internet at all in a complete blackout. And I started researching mesh networks, and mesh networks are very old, so there, there have been. Uh, a lot of attempts to, to do this, but most of the mesh networks in the past and even right now, they make a mistake. That is, they are trying to share internet. And the internet currently is a high bandwidth network of communications, like to watch uh, YouTube, to, to be able to watch uh, Netflix. So people need gigabyte connections and things like that. So most ne uh, mesh networks out there are trying to do to replicate the same, but in a decentralized and semi-decentralized way. So we understood that that's not possible, that there is no way that you could have a gigabyte connection right now in a mesh network. But but we, understood, we also understood that we don't need that for Bitcoin to operate. We also need a, a few hundred kilobits per second in order to be able to sync the latest loss of, of the Bitcoin uh, blockchain. And with that, you'll be able to make transactions. So we started researching, I, I met, uh, Luis, which, uh, who is the uh, CTO and co-founder of Lodgemesh, and he, he and myself started looking for people uh, capable of helping us make this a reality. And in, after uh, six months doing research, we uh, we came up with the first prototype, which we later realized that it, it was too uh, constrained in the bandwidth to be used, useful, useful in the real life because it was based on LoRa uh, antennas. And that is something that can it could actually do in the real life around one kilobits per second to 20 or 50 kilobits per second only. And that's that makes it unfeasible to be, to be able to use it in, in a real life situation. So we changed uh, our prototype to make it uh, capable of doing other things and not only transmitting SMS uh, communication or pretty short messages, for example, that which is the thing that enables LoRa. Um, so we now have a second prototype, which is capable of at this moment doing 200 kilobits per second, which is enough to sync the latest blocks of the Bitcoin blockchain as we have shown in the demo that we share on Twitter, but also to enable us to do more things that are useful for real life. Like we have uh, a full support of IPv6, so you are capable of running 
an electrical server, for example, and provide this service to all the other users inside the mesh. You are capable of making gateways to the internet so you can let someone get through your um, LogChamps device to the internet and even connect to online banking if they need that or connect to uh, WhatsApp or connect to other things. And, and we are thinking right now about ways that people could provide the services and get paid for it. So we, we, we will have a way to incentivize people running LogChamps node connected to other networks as a gateway. So this is currently what the, the current stage we are, which is the second prototype. And we are um, we have uh, an alpha that is uh, currently working for IPv6 support. And we have shown on Twitter on one of the videos how we are making not only Bitcoin blockchain sync, but also uh, Monero, for example, wallet. You, you can use it and we are currently uh, preparing the Electron server and Electron user demo to, to share it to the to the viewers. And we are also working on a torrent. So you will be able to torrent uh, files with others inside the mesh uh, completely off the grid in a peer-to-peer -peer decentralized censorship resistant manner. That's incredible. And you sort of touched on it a little bit you're, you're experimenting with ways to incentivize users to contribute to this mesh. And I guess that begs the question, like, how do you bootstrap these mesh networks? Um, is it getting the hardware in the hands of, of users? Is it, um, is it a, a education gap? What, uh, what do you think about bootstrapping this network? Yeah, we, we understand that, that as I, I came up with the idea about how could you make Bitcoin payment without internet or electricity at all? But, but I understand that this is a, a, a small group of people currently that would like to do that. It's pretty niche. So we started thinking of what is the other use, use that most people will make of it, which is communications. So we understood that we need your regular user to want to have these devices always on, for example, for chatting and email and sending, uh, I don't know, emoji to other because they are banned or sending someone uh, this new meme that you've made and is banned in the Europe, for example. So these kind of things that are the, the common user are the ones that are going to build the peer-to-peer -peer mesh network. Because if you don't have enough nodes, you won't be able to find a hope or, or a path to deliver the message or the big transaction that you want to broadcast. So we understood that to be able to create a mesh network that has enough uh, nodes to cover a city, a country, and connect countries with others, uh, we understood that we needed a device that is that works out of the box, that is a plug and play. So this is the Turpial device that we are developing, which is a battery-based device with pretty low cons uh, power consumption. So it's capable of running with a small uh, power, um, a small solar uh, panels that you can have in your backpack or things like that. Or you can connect it to the USB uh, port of your car so it's always on and you are uh, uh, a moving antenna around the city, providing relay mess relaying messages to others and relaying data over the IPv6 port. So we, we understood that 
we needed something that you can you could connect to any smartphone because a smartphone, a smartphone itself is not made for meshing it is made for what it's made and it's pretty close source so we understood that we needed something that is as open as possible but as easy to use that anyone will be will like to have one so you are capable of having enough nodes to make uh, to bootstrap the network in order to then be able to use to bitcoin bitcoin blockchain and and be able to make transaction completely off grid and one of the things that is enabled is that the communication is completely peer-to-peer -peer and decentralized. There are no servers at all. There are no coordinators. We are making it uh, as resilient as possible. So there is no one single point of, of failure. And this is why it is so difficult to do it. We are not using, uh, like, we don't have servers that contain all the path. Each node itself have enough information to be able to relay messages to others through them. So we are, uh, we are making sure that this is something that also provides you enough privacy and enough uh, re resiliency that you are capable of using it, even if someone is trying to target you, for example, if uh, currently in Ethiopia, for example, there, there is a complete blackout because the government from time to time, like every three months or every year, something bad happens and they shut down the internet completely. Or in Kashmir, in India, where they are being targeted uh, directly by the government, uh, and disconnect them com completely from the uh, internet. So the, the thing is that we are we know that this uh, attack attacks happens, and we are thinking about how to circumvent them. So if if you have a path uh, through hops over the Locha mesh, and this path is somehow uh, disconnected because there is interferences, or someone is jamming in the network, or something like that, or someone is in the middle and they are. Uh, cutting uh, the path in order to not deliver the messages. We are, uh, our devices are capable of finding another path uh, after a few tries because it is smart enough to understand the quality of a path and, and, the, um, and, the, and all this is being built inside the device itself. So you can connect up to three mobile phones to one device. So it is more like a portable router or a hotspot which instead of giving you access to the internet over 3G, 4G, or things like that, it gives you access to the large mesh. Okay, so I think you answered my next question there. I was gonna answer how are people sending these, these messages and emails? Does the Torpial device have a screen on it, but it seems like you could just connect it to your phone and instead of connecting to 3G or 4, 4G or LTE, whatever it may be, you're connecting to the locha mesh and communicating from there yes the, the the device itself is like a portable hotspot it's a portable router which gives you access to the locha mesh the locha mesh is a peer-to-peer -peer communication network so uh, which uses mesh but so the thing is that you will connect to it with a smartphone over wi-fi so because it's a router and you'll be able to use uh, applications, regular applications that support IPv6, but also applications that are made specifically for the large mesh. For example, we are uh, finishing uh, our mobile app, which enables you to communicate with other, uh, like, a, like a chat. So it is more like a WhatsApp, but it uses the, the large mesh um, completely. So I, if I have a two device in my house and you have another in yours, and there are enough devices in the middle between us, 
it can find a path doing hops to communicate with you. So I, I just um, have to um, have your ID inside the mesh and, and I will be able to communicate with you privately and you know, over an encrypted communication network um, because messages in, in the uh, radio spectrum that we're using can be encrypted um, in the, with some radio communications cannot. This, this, this one is capable of doing it, so communication will be private, but also based on a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, ID um, that you have just created your, by yourself by, uh, by uh, plugging in this device. So it is not connected to your ID, it is not connected to your home internet connection, it is not connected to your mobile phone 3G connection. So it is not connected to your identity. So you will be completely private and anonymous in that network. Only the person who has received the message or who is broadcasting the transaction for you knows your ID. So it is more say pseudonymous by the Bitcoin transactions and the Bitcoin addresses are, for example. So you will be able to, if I buy or I build the triple device myself, following the do-it-yourself uh, guides that we give uh, for people to make their own in their houses from official uh, parts, you, be, you will be able to flash it with our open source um, software and plug it in and you will be already connected to the mesh network uh, find a path to deliver a message without having to ever compromise your identity because it, it is an IP address that has been made out of thin air right now and it's not connected to you at all. Yeah, so increasing privacy, which is incredible, especially in countries like Venezuela where they're trying to target Bitcoiners now. Um, so what are what are the range of these devices like? Like uh, how... How close together do they need to be? Do you have uh, something like a super node that people can connect to as well if they want to? Or, Well, the a small one portable battery-based device, which is the one you can carry around, it's capable of uh, connecting with others up to one kilometer's radius. So if you, you have in that radius another device already in the same mesh, uh, automatically they talk to each other, um, coordinate, and the path and, and everything. And in, in the early days, it's going to be difficult to find enough uh, devices in a city to be able to make it in one kilometer or four kilometers in the open where there's no buildings and things like that. So the device can also connect to a computer, for example, to because you have a Monero mode, a node or a Bitcoin full node or an Electron server running there and you want to provide services to others, you can connect it over the USB to the computer. And that enables you to, like, you have always power, so you're not battery-based. So you can add a power amplifier and you can add a bigger antenna in your office or in your house and you can reach 50 or 70 kilometers distances. So you're capable of listening and also uh, broadcasting information to others who are in longer distances. Um, that will enable gateways to work because you will have your computer also connected to the internet, for example, or connected to the Bitcoin, to the um, blockstream satellite to download the Bitcoin blockchain from there. So you will be able to provide that information also to users inside the mesh who are around with their portable device, for example, or you can connect to a big antenna and make even longer distances if you have the enough equipment and you can hide it from the government, obviously. 
Yeah. So you mentioned the Blockstream satellite there. So you're able to receive uh, and verify data from from that source. If you have a computer with the equipment that the uh, Blockstream team um, recommends, your computer will be uh, synchronizing the Bitcoin blockchain from the satellite directly. So you are uh, resilient enough. For example, there is electric uh, internet uh, cuts in your house. You will still be able to to sync your node from the blockchain satellite, right? The thing is that if you have that computer synchronized that way because you are in the middle of nowhere, for example, you will also be able to attach a, a Turpial node to then provide orders um, of that lattice blocks and lattice transactions. So people in your city, for example, will be able to um, query your uh, LogMX device for lattice block data because they are in the, in the city with their portable tubal device and they want to broadcast a Bitcoin transaction that they have signed and they are offline or they don't want that Bitcoin transaction to be associated with their 3G mobile um, ID and, and their um, and their personal identification, which is what happens when you use your mobile phone. So they, they basically connect to the LogMesh device and they make the transaction over the LogMesh directly and they don't have to do it um, using their internet connection, so and or, or if they don't have it, and the thing is that the low challenge is thought as we're all going to be able to have one. That's why we are thinking it about it, not the the, the smallest affordable device. Not only because we are thinking for uh, Venezuelans and Ethiopian, Ethiopian, Ethiopians who cannot afford uh, uh, 200, 300 dollars per device. We are making it as a router because you can connect like three mobile phones to it. So you have one for per family, but it's also the idea is that it's affordable enough that we can have one of us is each one of us, one of the, one of the devices. So we, there are enough nodes to relay messages to others. So this is important that the, for mesh networks that you have enough density. And the only way to do it is also lowering the price of the needed devices because it, it is an extra hardware that you have carry around with you, you won't, you most probably don't want to spend $500 in, in one device that you just carry around with your smartphone that it's already three times that, that price. Yeah. And that's actually, Matt O'Delli couldn't join us for this. He had a, he had a bail, but that was one of the questions he had is in trying to distribute these devices to people around the world. Uh, he's wondering if you've if you've thought of running like a Tom Shoes model. I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with Tom Shoes, but um, basically that model is you, Westerners buy a pair of these shoes, and Tom donates a, a pair to to somebody in a in a developing country. So if you were to set up a structure where somebody like myself would buy a terpial device, um, and then I would pay a little bit more so that you can manufacture one to give one away in Venezuela or something like that. Yeah, exactly. We, we thought about that uh, in a year ago uh, about selling the triple devices and we will donate one more to Venezuelans. So we, we, we thought about it and we indeed currently have in our uh, GitHub uh, slash BTC slash Locha. We currently have a, a sponsors donations on GitHub that uh, you can make a monthly donation or one-time donation um, to the development of the open source software, open source hardware, and you can decide f 
for each $200 that you donate, you can decide to get one uh, 2PL device shipped when we have them, or you can decide to donate that to someone. So you could basically say, I want one device and I'm going to make two month donations uh, of 200 each, but I want the second device to be donated to you or, or to a cause. So what we are going to do with that is that we'll set up then all around Venezuela. So we set up then all around Chile, where there are many Venezuelans that currently don't have even money to pay for the 3G mobile data, and they are completely disconnected from their families in, in the other country. And when they are they finally get data to communicate with their family in Venezuela, there is no electricity or communications in Venezuela, so they are completely disconnected. I mean, the, the hurdles that, that people have to jump through just to move money and communicate with each other in 2020 it's it's pretty shocking but uh i say that as i sit here uh with pretty good internet in in new jersey in the united states but just speaking from like a bitcoin perspective like something like locha mesh excuse me and using these mesh networks as the uh, transaction relay layer of Bitcoin just seems like using Bitcoin better. Like the internet with all the ISPs um, and, and governments sort of hooked into that and the telecommunication systems with 3G, 4G, and now 5G, they, they seem completely co-opted by uh, either corporations or governments that are yeah. able to spy. And it seems like if we want to use Bitcoin correctly in the long run, something like a combination of satellites and, and mesh may be the way to go. So I think this infrastructure is extremely important. Um, and how do we get that message through to people? Because like if, if this imagine like daydream at some point in the future, this is, this is built out. Bitcoin's uh, exponentially more robust than it is at, at its current moment, correct? And it's very important for Bitcoin future to be able to communicate over a censorship resistant mesh network like the Lodge Mesh which is enabling not only SMS communication for SOS, but also enabling services and, and also enabling communications more uh, complex like IPv6 support and be, be able to run. For example, it, the thing is that most, there are a lot of people who think that Venezuela is a very profitable country for mining, but they, like, what they don't know is, is that they have to struggle a lot. They have to, take care of a lot of things inside the country, which is sometimes there is no internet at all. So they have like two or three different internet connections. They have cable, they have 3G from one company and 3G for another country. They get 4G for another one and, and, and they put all that in one ASIC. So they, they are capable of, of, of when there is a lost connection in one of them, they are easily uh, switching to the other, they even program on that. So the, the thing is that the, in, in the future, it's, that's basically because of the lack of infrastructure or investment infrastructure in the communications in the country. But if, what happens if, if it's basically the ISPs uh, blocking you directly or the government completely disconnecting the internet uh, in the whole country that they, it happened in, 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 in Ethiopia or also in Runet in Russia. So, or, or, or Cuba, that where they have, they used to have a mesh network of antennas, bigger antennas that they put in the in the roof of their houses, and the government now say that well, now that's illegal, 
and 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 they basically have to shut down completely in california the ham radio operators now they got uh, this notification that they either pay ten thousand dollars for a new license or they have to shut down the, the antennas so this is obviously the the ham radio operators cannot circumvent that draconian uh, that that uh, law because they have their IDs connected to their ham radio operators. They, 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 they have a license. If you need a license, you are actually not free to use it. So the thing is that we are thinking on, on the Lodge image of not only being able to communicate and pay others, but you will be also able to sync your Bitcoin. You, know, you will be able to make, to make use of the RPC pay of Monero to pay for websites, uh, access to website without having to rely. So the website doesn't have to rely completely on ads and advertisement, advertisements or, or spy on you or get your data to sell to others. They will be able to get paid uh, over the Lightning Network and get paid over the RPC, uh, RPC pay feature and things like that. And the thing is, once the Lodgemail has enough density, you will be able to make a transaction from the Lodgemail device that you have in your, um, connected to your phone. And, and someone will have an electron server running in another device or a, or a computer or a Raspberry Pi that is uh, already also running Lightning Networks, things like that, to provide watchtower services, for example. And then that will make a broadcast, which currently is going to be to the internet because the Bitcoin miner and the Bitcoin pools are on the internet. But once everyone is connected to the large mesh, you will be able to reach a miner or a pool directly over the large mesh, and they will be able to mine that transaction for you and reply back over the large mesh completely without touching the internet at all, which is a, a over control survey communication network controlled by, con by governments that can do whatever they want with it. We'll be able to use this network, which is peer to peer and run by each one of us in a censorship resilient way. Why isn't this more popular? You think it's because it's just hard to set up or is mesh mesh networks sort of in their nation stage isps have a long i think uh, it, long head start well i think uh as mentioned that internet has been sold as a way to get netflix or view or watch youtube until youtube shut down the youtubers that you like and then you don't want youtube uh, but the thing is that uh, people uh it's kind of difficult to sell. It's an idea difficult to sell because most people are used to the, uh, I myself, I, I I don't like when the internet goes below the one megabytes per, per second because I've been living in countries where at least you have three megabytes per second. That's not, you, you cannot get less than that. But I myself have used the internet at 54 kilobits per second in the past. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember when the internet was sold by data plans when you run out of data you end up using the internet like it's lower 300 kilobits per second or 50 54 kilobits per second so i remember that and i remember that that's enough for bitcoin or so that's enough for chatting the thing is that the it is difficult today to sell this idea of the censorship resistant peer-to-peer -peer communication network if they are not capable of running netflix on it so that's what I think why people don't like uh, today mesh networks, but because just because they don't need it. The thing is when they realize that they are going to need it, 
it will be already built by people like us and and people from the monitor transmission labs and people from the uh, Bitcoin radio uh, and amateurs who are setting up uh, meetups everywhere in, in the world right now. There, are, uh, we know about three different groups making um, radio communications, uh, and they are using the Lacha mesh to make their test. And, and they are relying on us giving them all the instructions so they can join us on development and also on testing this. So this is why I think it's not so popular just yet. Uh, maybe we as a team um, haven't also marketed it uh, uh, very well. The thing is that we don't have a marketing team right now that could do this. This is, this is like Bitcoin. This is completely open source. It is free to use. And if you want to provide services to others, you want to charge them, you can do it. So the thing is that we are an open source and open hardware project. And we happen to have a company uh, to be able to make it sustainable so we can get investment from, from investors. But the idea is that it's open as Bitcoin and the Bit Bitcoin doesn't have a marketing team either. So we are basically in the same situation. That's why I think we are uh, or the large mesh itself is not so popular yet, but we're working on it. Yeah, I mean, you guys are still pretty early on in this game as well. So I think uh, as as people recognize the need for these mesh networks moving forward in your products and Torpio gets more fleshed out, I think... Uh, I think it'll be easily become more popular because I mean it's hard to deny um, the the Orwellian uh, steps that governments have taken and continue to take to cut off people from the internet. And as you mentioned, the internet is something that people are very deeply connected to uh, and used to at this point in time. So, uh, if a mesh network could at some point in the future provide the same utility. I think building out that infrastructure right now is, is extremely important. Um, but you were mentioning before we hit record the, the origins of Locha and, and why you named the company Locha Mesh, which I think is very interesting. Why don't we jump into the etymology of the, uh, of, of the company? Well, the, um, you're referring to the name. Locha is a coin from the 1800 in Venezuela, which is one-eighth of a silver coin a spanish silver coin in, uh, so the, the the idea of calling it that way is like in venezuela there is a say that people basically say to each other how are you doing and they say uh, en la lucha por la locha which is fighting for the money because they are always trying to fight for their income this is like not only happening now it has always been that way so that's a, a say that they say that uh, en la lucha por la locha which is fighting for the money and so we thought about, I, I thought about adding something to it, which is uh, en la lucha por la locha libre, which is the fight for the free money, as in freedom. So this is uh, the, our, our slogan, which is la lucha por la locha libre. And I understand that's kind of difficult for some people that don't understand Spanish and don't even understand Venezuelan Spanish to pronounce, but I, but I feel very, uh, connected to it because that's how people basically uh, say hi there. So they are always fighting. So the, the situation in Venezuela is like in many other places. So this, 
I just happen to be from Venezuela, but I do fight for other places, and I understand there are people there fighting there too. Uh, there is one. There, there is a, a few people in the lining and and the full notes community um, that who are setting up full node devices in places like Africa, in many countries of, of, of Africa, because they understand the, the, the difficulties they have there. And I think they will also find it interesting um, how we name our project, because I, I, I think they totally can uh, connect to it uh, on their experiences of their people of their countries too. Yeah, I mean, fighting for the free money, right? And that's... As in freedom, what... <laughs> not the free right? money uh, uh, itself. <laughs> because there is, yeah, no, no, liberty. there is no free meal. <laughs> no, no, freedom money, fighting for freedom money. And and so do you... Hey, this is something I've been saying, and I'd be very interested to get your thoughts on this. Like, I, I believe, like, fix the money, fix the world. I think money... It's mm-hmm. one half of every transaction. It is, um, it is why things inequality specifically has gotten so out of whack. Is because uh, central authorities have control of the money, and that throws everything out of whack. And do you do you see Bitcoin as a, as a way to help Venezuelans and people under other uh, despotic governments to to fight back and eventually take control away from those those governments? since April 2011, when I learned about it. <laughs> so I've been focusing um, on making people understand that Bitcoin is the only possible option right now that they have. And they, they to actually make use of their money that they make. So if, if, if they work for money and then that money basically uh, disappear or get hyperinflated or it gets uh, someone else get it free and yours so not longer have the same value and it's losing value every time in Venezuela it loses value every minute uh, so the thing is that uh, since I learned about bacon I understood the importance of it I've always been trying to make people understand the same thing even if they, there are more, most people don't tell you I'm not economist. I don't like gold. I don't think so. It is a lack of basic education on what money is, and all my talks uh, circle around this idea of money, um, because I understand that Bitcoin is a way for people to be free. So, so they they currently are basically slave. I don't like taxes, for example. As I, I, I think that, that there are many people right now in in, in the U.S. fighting against the slavery, or as how yeah, slavery as as it was 200 years ago, 100 years ago, but they are not fighting against the slavery as they did today. So people don't see 46, 52 percent of people income and then 21% more in that as a slavery. But I do see it as that. I, I do believe that slavery ends at a certain sense. So the, the certain sense. So you, you, you need to actually be free, and Bitcoin enables that. And Bitcoin over the Lodge Mesh 
is the truly private censorship resistant hardest money in the world and people kind of need to pay more attention or we need to make more efforts to make them understand this and if they don't want to understand the technology in order to be able to understand it or they don't want to understand economics in order to be able to understand it they might need or they may need to be able to use it without understanding it so that's why we have i i myself have been focusing on how to make it easier for people to use it because there, there are a lot of people who won't need to understand bitcoin at all but once they realize how it is helping them to fix the bad situation or circumstances they are trapped on the trap right now they will use it even if they don't get it and that's one of the objectives that for example one of the reasons i started helping the election developers by september 2011 because i understood that bitcoin needs to be easy for people to use it just as people use the euro uh, or they have their dollars in their pockets and they don't understand how it works uh, behind it and they on they don't understand that it's being hyperinflated or, or that it, it has it, it is being printed out of thing or something like that they basically use it because it is fixing or, or, or it is a tool for them to reach um, their liberty or their or, or what they understand as happiness so they, i want people to understand that bitcoin is their tool for them to reach their happiness too and the only way to do that is um explaining it like a life five so people need to use it before they understand it i completely agree um it is imperative for freedom in the digital age and and ux does need to improve there's a lot of conversations going on around that particularly right now um but i think i, I had a conversation with a with a gentleman who's who's running the the bitcoin beach project in el salvador and el zante and if you really truly want to get it into just your common the hands of the common man it needs to be as simple as possible and they may start out with custodial apps but hopefully they educate themselves after using it because it's stoked some curiosity that that pushes them to become more self-sovereign with the apps that they use to interact with bitcoin but on top of that the self-sovereign apps uh the ux could always improve and it has improved over time i would argue and, and I, I think it will continue to improve and um i think lightning networks helping that and other other things as well there hasn't been many designers in this space it's been very yeah. back-end developer heavily yeah so, we, we don't we don't have hopefully. ux expert and ui experts uh, on payroll we we are basically decentralized uh, bitcoin open source uh, efforts so we it might take some time for us uh, unless some more square teams start being uh, or square uh, sponsored teams are going to continue uh, arising from other places. It's going to take some time, but it's, it's okay as far as we know what we want to achieve. So we, it's, it's, this is not about paying coffee. This is more about making people, um, enabling people to live their life uh, and as free as possible from uh, intervention and, and, and control from others. And Bitcoin is going to enable that, even if it's going to take time for them to be able to use it without uh, the, the complexity of it. Yeah, completely agree. And so what, outside of Lochamesh, 
uh, is exciting you about Bitcoin right now? What are what are you looking at outside well, of uh, the mesh network? Well, uh, outside the mesh network, I'm currently very interested in the Lightning Network. I really like it to happen, and I really like how they are doing it. So they put a lot of effort and took many it took many years to do it because they wanted to add privacy uh, features. They wanted to add uh, a lot of complexity on it that helped people to to be able to uh, transact more securely without any middleman, without any um, the need of trust. So they are they have been trying to keep it as pure as possible, and I like that. I I like other things uh, about making it uh, more accessible for for everyone. But it's also a good way, for example, to incentivize people running full nodes, which is something I myself tried in the past when 21.co existed. I, I, I tried to mimic the, their idea of uh, incentivize or, or adopt a node where some people donate for others to run the nodes. I wanted to do that in Venezuela too. And, and the thing is that the, the, the Lightning Network has have to bring that into the table. So now people want to run the, the nodes. The, the, so that's why you have full nodes company making full nodes, uh, uh, good looking full nodes around um, and things like that. And this is one of the things I want, I, I like a lot uh, because I always prefer to use Electrum over exchanges because of the simplicity of it and, and not so easy because there are, there are no UX experts in that team. <laughs> but I always preferred it because it was the most pure way to use Bitcoin uh, besides running your full node yourself. So in, in that, I always uh, I always understood the importance of um, your keys, your Bitcoin. And I always try to teach people about that. And I like that from the Lightning uh, community and the Bitcoin community that now they are embracing this idea because it is more important to be able to have more nodes, one for each user of the Bitcoin. Um, even if you have to at least like have one in your house that then you share with your family and then you have a lot of mesh uh, de device connected to it to provide these uh, node services to others and get paid for doing that. I think that's the way to go because that will make the, the Bitcoin network more resilient to attack and also more decentralized. In, so it is capable of circumventing any kind of attacks that anyone is going to try to, I, I bet anyone is going to try to attack the Bitcoin network very soon. Um, we are going to be prepared for that. Yeah. Well, thank you for focusing on this. It is, like I said, very underappreciated in very niche right now, but I think it needs to grow into a larger network uh, as we move into the future and as Bitcoin becomes more valuable as, as a network, it, this stuff is imperative. Um, where can we find out more about what you're doing with Locha, with Terpial? Um, how can we help? What uh, any, any announcements to make or anything on the horizon that we should be paying attention to? Yeah, we, we are currently working on a new version of the second prototype. A new revision of it. Uh, we hope to have in a couple of months because of the current situation. We are basically working at the pace that we can. But if anyone could help us, uh, not only on development, you, you can already buy the 
development devices that we are using, which is the do-it-yourself version of the TouchMS to repair devices. And you can find out about it on github.com slash btcvin slash locha. And you can also donate to the open source development and open hardware development by making a donation to uh, the LochaMesh team um, at uh, locha.io. So there you can make a pre-order of the device by making a donation that will help us continue working and you will get a LochaMesh Locha tool device when we have them and we, when we have manufactured them. I think you guys deserve a grant from the Square Crypto, BitMEX, uh, Chainco Labs of the world too. So if yeah. any of you guys are listening out there, it's, it's let's always, think about this. It's always great to be helped. And I, I love that the Bitcoin community and also the Monero community uh, have uh, understood the importance of this and they have helped us in the past and they continue helping us. But uh, yes, you are right. We need more money to do this. Uh, if we wanted to do as a team, but we are, we also welcome people to help us in their free time or spare time if they want to go to the GitHub and help us with some PRs or some commits, or they want to test like those groups who are already buying the development uh, kits uh, and they are setting out those devices in their in, in their houses already, so they can help us test uh, on the ground. In, in some places, not only we in our uh, backyard, in, in, in our garage, and ourselves as a team, but also getting the community involved in, in this. And, and, and there are some that are, have helped us setting up electronic server, for example, um, setting up remote Monero nodes also. Uh, so it is always welcome that anyone who will like to help us, we have translation, we have UI, UX that we need help on. Um, but it's also important to get funds. And if you have anyone that you think we should be talking to, uh, feel free to email me at randy at locha.io or contact me in any of the social media that I currently own. And if you are more technical and you want to talk about advanced things, feel free to message Luis, who is the CTO co-founder, and he understands everything about this and he's very advanced and technical. So if you want to have like a very, uh, enjoy a, a very technical talk, you can go to him directly too. So feel free to contact us. Don't think that we are working on ourselves. We, we want you to be involved. And this is important for us and for the Bitcoin community to do it as Bitcoiners, completely decentralized way. So we, there is no single point of failure. We don't want our company to be targeted by anyone. So it is important to have teams all over the world working on the large mesh. Already, I can't thank you enough for doing what you do. Very underappreciated project, like I said, very underappreciated individual. Um, just been you. working on this for years. Uh, I think, uh, very, very grateful that you're doing the work that you're doing and, and, uh, hopefully this conversation helps stoke some ideas in people's minds. It get, makes people more aware about what you're, what you're doing at Locha and, and why it's so important. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Um, 
It's been an incredible conversation. Very excited to post this, and I wish you well uh, as you're as you're building this out. And I, I'm very hopeful that it will be a successful project in the future. Yeah, we'll make this uh, a reality one way or another. Yeah, that's. I mean, if Bitcoiners are anything, it's it's uh, it's they're thorough and they won't stop until until we get that freedom. Yeah. Right. Cypherpunks write code and also make hardware. <laughs> <laughs> right? This is going to be a hardware revolution as much as it's going to be a software revolution. I say that a yeah, lot. Yeah, if, if we want really decentralized, censorship-resistant communication methods, we need to get our hands dirty. Yeah. The cypherpunk future involves a lot of hardware. Get used to it, freaks. Yeah. Randy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for having me here. Hope. Thank you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. That's all we got for this week, freaks. Peace and love. Tiki!